It's Tuesday, June 7th. Thanks for joining us here on Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks with you in just a second. An exclusive leadership announcement. The United Conservative Party leadership race about to add a contender. The announcement will be made right here on the show. We're also going to go live to France today. A friend of the show, Kristen Rayworth, was uh, touring Juno Beach with her dad. Uh, I'm sure a once-in-a-lifetime type trip, especially considering her company being there with her dad right around the anniversary of D-Day. She's going to check in with us. We talked to author and historian Don Levers yesterday about the 78th anniversary of D-Day. Uh, Kristen Rayworth will bring us up to speed. What was the experience like being there today? What were the Europeans, what were the French folks over there saying about Canadian involvement on that June 6th, 1944, uh, obviously monumental development through World War II, plus uh, the hometown, our hometown, Edmonton Oilers, Ugh. run into an absolute wall, the Colorado Avalanche sweeping the oil in four straight to move on to a Stanley Cup final that a lot of people have been, uh, quite frankly, looking forward to. They want to see the Avs crash into either the Lightning or the Rangers. It's going to be crazy. And they're going to get it. It's going to be an amazing series. Andrew Walker, host of The Hedge right here, a Relay podcast, is going to join us and, and we'll wrap up the show with that. Plus, it's Tuesday, which means we'll get to the leading edge. This show kicks off every morning by recognizing the partnership of our friends at Bitcoin Well. And, and I maybe don't talk enough to you about what the Bitcoin Well team has for you with regards to resources and learning opportunities. If you go to their website, bitcoinwell.com, and then you click on learn. Uh, they've got this Bitcoin Academy. You can enroll in it, learn all about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular. Watch the video. And then there's uh, one video in particular I want to recommend. Check this out. Uh, I'm showing my screen to you, bitcoinwell.com. I always talk to you about Benny. Uh, Benny's kind of the front-facing expert there at Bitcoin Well. And uh, Benny's got a great Bitcoin for Beginners video you can check out. All of that at bitcoinwell.com. And, of course, you can always link to them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. All right, well, sometimes we're talking federal politics. Uh, sometimes we're talking about provincial politics across the country, as uh, we did yesterday. Great conversations about the results of the Ontario election. Premier Doug Ford, the progressive conservative leader there, obviously with a big mandate, a second term, an even bigger majority government. And political commentators across the country can't help but compare their jurisdictions to Alberta, right? Yesterday, the conversation was around how did Doug Ford manage to convince the electorate to give him that second term, while at the same time, Alberta's premier handing in his resignation, triggering a leadership race with Alberta's United Conservatives. Everybody across the country is keeping an eye on who it will be, this race to lead Alberta's Conservatives into the next election. Uh, this morning, we welcome the newest contender to the race, making her announcement officially right here on Real Talk, a longtime Conservative MLA, Leela Ahir. Good morning to you, and thanks for making time for us. Welcome to the show. And a huge congratulations to you, too. I'm so happy. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you're standing right now. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to my wife, Carrie, who's doing most of the heavy lifting, uh, as is often the case. So we're so excited to welcome uh, little baby Noah into the household. So I might be a little bit delirious when I talk to you. Uh, just a tiny little bit sleep deprived. How are you feeling, though, this morning? You've literally I mean, you're making your amount announcement right now. And it's going to get a lot of people uh, talking. What convinced you? How long did you know that you wanted to throw your hat into this race? I um I've had the privilege, Ryan, of speaking to so many people. I think that um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure just because you need to talk to everybody and you need to see where people's heads are at and see what they want and what what you have to offer. Um, but just the leadership review was so important to me, and then to have the leadership race to be able to engage with with folks is just such a privilege. I'm I'm actually I'm so excited. I think I've spoken to you about this before the opportunity to engage with Albertans and earn their trust back and show them our heartbeat and who we are and to be able to be truly accountable and humble and honest and even at times apologetic. We're going to make mistakes. That's this human nature. But just to show folks that we have the capacity to be able to be a mature and wonderful and thoughtful government. And I, um, I'm absolutely out of my mind. I'm ecstatic to be able to be with you this morning, to be able to announce this and to be able to have put a team together. It's, it's a huge privilege. And I didn't take it lightly. Like you have to, you have to talk to your family. Well, as you know, 
there's just so much to it. And your family goes through so much when you're an elected official, you know, it's just the way that it is. So to take that leap, I really needed to make sure that they were ready for it too. What did they say to you? I mean, they know what they're getting in for. There's, there's going to be barbs thrown. There's going to be hand grenades lobbed. And one of the interesting or the unique dynamics about a leadership race is, is typically, although I'll acknowledge, and you and I will probably talk about maybe the big tent angle of, of what a conservative leader is going to have to do, what a leader will have to do to keep this party united. But the interesting dynamic of a leadership race, it's people typically uh, whose views might align on a number of things, but but they're trying to point out why they're a better candidate than everybody else. And then after the leadership race, everybody's got to get back together on the same team. It's a bit of a strange exercise. Correct. Well, my, my husband um, has, well, the beautiful advice that comes from him is that people can lob things at you, but you don't have to react that way. Right. The you you said it exactly right. This is um, a challenge to actually unify and bring folks together and not because it's a top down approach, but because we're actually engaging with Albertans and hearing what they need, being able to actually read and understand and feel how people are doing, because this is people are in a lot of pain, they're hurting, but there's also on the flip side, there's so much optimism, right? And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, the optimism is, is such a beautiful part to be able to jump off at, but you have to be able to recognize where people are at as well too and be able to answer those questions. You're, talking, you're talking about optimism. You're talking about positivity. Uh, d- does this party have some reputational damage to reverse? Is, is, is there some work to be done on that front? 100%. The entire leadership race for me is about regaining Albertans' trust. Um, we owe that to people. We owe them the opportunity to be able to get in front of them and explain to them who we are and to be able to be truthful about the mistakes that have been made because there's been plenty. And I think that happens with any party. That's not just us. But this is a golden opportunity to be able to earn people's trust back and earn trust back in the institutions too, right? And what a, I mean, think about the, you know, the engagement part and being able to be in front of people, especially post-COVID, I mean, we're still being careful. Obviously, we have to be vigilant about all things COVID. But to be able to attend events and be with people and earn their trust back and listen, we need to listen, Ryan. That's probably the most important thing that I can say. And I mean, I survive and thrive and crave those kinds of conversations. It's my favorite part. And even if the conversations are difficult, I appreciate it so much because I learn a lot from people from all sides because good ideas come from everywhere. It's not just from us. It's It's been interesting to watch commentary around this leadership race. And it's still, I think, relatively speaking, in the early stages, we're still accepting or expecting rather announcements from, from other candidates. People are taking a look at the names of some of the usual suspects, right? People have, have thrown their name in the mix and they're going, well, I mean, what's a whole lot different about a lot of these folks, right? Like, for example, people are trying to figure out now there there are some differences, not to say there aren't. But what's the difference between a Brian Jean and a Danielle Smith? Or what's the difference between a, a Brian Jean and a Travis Taves? Or, you know, people are rumored, you know, other ministers, for example, other cabinet ministers to be considering a run. What do you bring to the table that nobody else does? What sets your campaign apart? How are you most markedly a different or unique candidate for leader of this party? I am I am compelled to give back, Ryan. My entire premise for being here is because this province has given me so much. I, I got involved in politics because of kids, right? There's there's just no ulterior motive other than to make sure that we pave that way for that next generation, but also to be grounded and to leave our egos at the door. The, the most important thing that I think I've probably learned through, in, you know, I've been in this for about seven years now, is that Albertans are savvy and intelligent and and competent people. I mean, we will survive and thrive in this province despite what government does. It's just the way that we are. But I'm compelled to give back. And my dad, when he came in 1963, he's a huge patriot. And my mom, who's um, third generation Canadian. Uh, these are people that are, you know, they're seniors now and they've given so much to their province. But my dad always, always, always told me that our responsibility was to give back and to be able to provide um, a sense and an understanding to who we are and to be as humble as possible. I mean, he, he, he challenges me on that all of the time, both my dad and my father-in-law actually. And so that to me, I think is probably the most important. And it, I think it's very important to the average person as well too. We're severely normal Albertans. We wanna be able to have real conversations 
they, they, we have, you know, valley dads and soccer moms and families of all different kinds of backgrounds and, you know, and in family in itself, those family values for whatever your family looks like, however you're raising your family, to be able to talk to people about how they do that and, and what we can do to support them. It's not about what um, we have a collective responsibility to be able to grow this province and put community back together. But I want to know what I can do for people. How can I help? What is my role? We are stewards of these dollars that people work so hard for. And I want to be able to be a part of those decisions and be able to help and to be able to remove gatekeepers and be available to people. If you're just tuning in live streaming on the Mixler audio app, we're talking to Leela here, who just moments ago has announced her candidacy. She wants to be the next leader of the United Conservative Party. She wants to take this party into the next election. An interesting question here, Leela, from Dwayne, who's watching us live on YouTube right now. He says, what does Leela think will happen when oil prices go back in the gutter? A lot of people are saying right now, this it, it almost feels like we joke as Albertans in, in, in kind of a macabre kind of a way, in kind of a dark way, right? Well, you've seen the bumper sticker, you know, dear Lord, please give us one more boom, and we promise not to piss it away, and it kind of feels like we're seeing it right now. It's back up over 100 bucks again. The province is flush, at least for right now again, but but we get a little twitchy, don't we? Because we know long-term where this goes. So, so what's your plan look like for Alberta's economic recovery, not just short-term, but you know, the prosperity angle longer term, what does Alberta look like future-wise through your eyes? Well, I, and I, I, I think twitchy is probably the right word. And even, you know, with balancing the budget, which I'm su- super grateful for, a lot of things led to that capacity to be able to do that. Um, well, we, you probably, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but what we learned throughout COVID and about the rebound and about the economy of the province, so much of that has to do with being able to have people feel safe and compelled to come here and that we have a, a, we were attracting talent and folks and part of that is advanced education. We have to make sure that our young people have the education that they need. We want them to stay here, right? To be able to have jobs here, to be able to work in our province and oil and gas, just keep in mind, so many of those jobs are also transferable. We see the film sector, the film industry is having their very, very best year I've ever, and those jobs are transferable. We are seeing carbon capture, seeing amazing opportunities throughout all sorts of technologies that have everything to do with alongside of oil and gas. And also our manufacturing in our province, looking at small business and our GDP that's related to that. In Alberta, for everyone who are small business people, we have 80 women entrepreneurs. It is way higher than the national average. So if you think about the compelling arguments for being able to make sure that people are able to stay in our province and be able to do their businesses here and support those businesses and small businesses is the heartbeat of this province. So I think there's so many things. I mean, I could go on and on, but there may be, hopefully we'll have more opportunities to talk about the platform and our, what, what, what our ideas are going forward. But that's just a few ideas off the top of my head. How did you, how do you think, I mean, like you could take this answer in any direction you want. I don't know why I'm automatically thinking of hospitality, but I mean, there are so many different industries that were hammered over the past couple of years. And, and, and unfortunately for some people, uh, the dream died on the vine. I mean, some people were, were put in a position where they had to shut down maybe their family business or had to take a step back. I mean, some people, entrepreneurs in particular, probably haven't paid themselves, Leela, for you know the last year, year and a half, two years. When you take a look around, I know you're, you're kicking off your campaign today, so you'll be traveling the province. I mean, it all kind of starts now, minus the stuff that's been happening behind the scenes. But what are you noticing with regards to how business or, or how the economic reality, how people's reality has changed? I mean, what's it different uh, with, with regards to how it looks now versus what it might have looked like in you know February, March of 2020? Yeah, so we all know people who, who lost everything in COVID. Um, I have girlfriends personally in my riding who were hanging on literally great to the end of their, of their businesses. And I mean, I, during COVID and I think it's, um, you do as much as you can to try and help. I don't know if, and I don't know if we'll ever know. It's one of those things we'll have to look at. And I think all governments across the globe and particularly in Canada, will have to look and see how that went. But one thing I have to tell you, Ryan, on the flip side, is that we also saw many businesses open and start and be able to be successful despite COVID, despite dis, you know, m- mistakes that were made, especially on our part for our communications of what was happening with COVID. Um, 
if you, I don't know if you notice out there right now, the optimism and how businesses are going. And, but to tell you the truth, Ryan, even with optimism and with the way that things are going, it's going to take a long time for people to catch up. I mean, I'm a small business owner myself. You don't pay yourself for a long time, even under normal circumstances. So COVID threw everybody a real, you know, like to, that threw them for a loop is an understatement. But understand this, you're talking about some of the most resilient and the most incredibly resourceful human beings on the planet in this province. We know how to get things done even under terrible circumstances. I, th I think what we'll probably hear out on the campaign trail is what we need to do, do differently, what we could have done better, and looking at the supports going forward because the impact of COVID hasn't ended yet. Right, we're going to see that to continue. But I, um, I really, I look towards the folks of this province to explain to me and direct me to help understand where our role is with that and what we do to help companies and organizations. And especially now that we understand how COVID moves, how we stay open under these circumstances. What are our next moves? Should you know we see another COVID season come up here in October, November, or flu season? What do we do to keep businesses open? Because at this point in time, I think that's everybody's biggest fear is that you know, something could happen to shut down the world again and shut down businesses. So I'm really, really um, super excited to talk to folks about that and get their advice because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for advice from people. I talked to official opposition leader Rachel Notley back on May 25th on this show just a short time ago, and she talked about her plan to, quote, save healthcare, which is, is obviously uh, kind of a bold assertion to make. Everybody knows that the healthcare system across the country, and, and we'll talk about in our own backyard here in Alberta, has been strained for obvious reasons over the past couple of years. But but there's been a strained relationship as well between unions, nurses, doctors writ large, and this government, the conservative government under Premier Jason Kenney. What would be your plan with regards to healthcare, with regards to stopping talented professionals from leaving the province, with regards to not just retaining talent with nurses, doctors, uh, researchers, uh, you know, triage. I mean, we, we could go on and on. Paramedics, etc. cetera. Uh, not just retaining them, but attracting them as well. What would be your plan when it comes to healthcare? Well, if we look at the ability to be able to bring people in the province, especially from out of province to become doctors. And I mean, we have to, we have to increase spaces in universities first for nurses in particular. There is not enough spaces. So those spaces have to be increased. But the second thing is, is that we have to also be able to open up Alberta to bringing in doctors from well uh, across the country, obviously, but also from across the world. And there's work being done right now on those professional designations because it's really, really difficult for a person out of country to be able to come into our country. And especially, and, and the other thing is, or sorry, into Canada and to Alberta, but also rural placement of doctors. We have, a, we've opened up some more spaces, but more needs to be done on that as well too. We see uh, quite a bit when doctors come out to rural areas and do their practical and their, and their workout in those areas, many of them stay. So being able to get more of those spaces opened up as well too. But the third thing I would say is that a huge apology to be issued to our doctors and nurses. I mean, I, I think I've spent the last two years talking to doctors and nurses and, and frontline workers across the province, just explaining my deep gratitude because of the way that we proceeded and how they felt as a result of the direction that we had gone. There's not enough apology in the world. There's not enough that we can say in order for those incredible people to understand how grateful we are. And it it's not an apology that needs to stop, Ryan. It's one that needs to continue. And then we need to show proof on the other side that we're willing to stand behind our words and that we're willing to be the people to be able to unite and bring people together and not use government as, a, as an opportunity to divide and conquer and to take people in that direction. We don't need to be fighting with everybody. It's, it's probably, I think it's probably the most least efficient and, uh, inappropriate way to go. So I'm looking forward again to future conversations with folks so they can tell me how they feel and what would compel them to stay in our province and what I can do to help them. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be lost on this audience that we've we've got one candidate for leadership here that's vowing to apologize to doctors and nurses for the way they were treated during the pandemic. You got another leadership candidate that's vowing to apologize to pastors that were jailed because they refused to keep their congregations from gathering despite public health orders. That's a that's a bit of an interesting dichotomy, isn't it, when it comes to who's going to be standing on the stage competing for the leadership of this party? So Not everybody's on the same page. We're frozen, my friend. Let me see if 
I can fix this. Yeah, let's see. Johnny, do we still have her shot there? We got Leela here coming uh, here. If we need to take a second away, why don't I come back? I'm gonna. She's going to drop out. She'll be joining us again. Give me 60 seconds, Johnny. Why don't we? I mean, it feels like a great time to remind everybody this show happens. Conversations happen because we have the support of amazing sponsors. I wanted to give a shout out to Kubi Energy in particular. Check out this their Instagram photo. I'll describe it if you're listening on the podcast. Most of you will be. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at Kubi Energy. They've just posted this video. It's nothing like drone video. It's just blows my mind Love everything them. isn't it so cool uh this is a huge project they're showing off at the Killam apartments uh, not just installing solar they don't just install solar they'll roll their eye you say what do you guys do you just install solar they create art they make a difference when it comes to the infrastructure the energy infrastructure it could be residential commercial industrial agricultural whatever kubi energy does it you want to see how cleanly how artistically they install. Follow them on Instagram, Kubi Energy, and at kubienergy.ca, you can get your free quote today on solar, including finding out ways how you can save money. They're tapped into all of those programs and resources, bursaries, all kinds of reasons for you to pursue your green energy goals today. Hey, at Friesen Brothers, we want to remind you they've got some very cool stuff coming up. They're all about community. They're all about family. And so when they talk about how they're Alberta-grown and Alberta-owned, it means something to them. Like they've got healthy insight evenings coming up. Wine, charcuterie, and expert advice for a healthier you, right? And they've got all kinds of community stuff happening. Just check out the events link on their website, Friesen.com. And don't forget, the first of every month, it's coming up again in three weeks now. Mark your calendar. The first of every month, it's 15% off. That's a huge deal for families right now. Rising costs of living. Grocery orders, $75 or more. 15% off the first of every month at Friesen Brothers. Alberta grown, Alberta owned. Leela here's hanging out with us. She's just announced her candidacy. Uh, she wants to be the next leader of Alberta's United Conservative Party. She announced it right here on this show. Can you hear me, Leela? I hear you. You can't hear me at all? Okay, we'll get it figured out. Johnny, you'll get I'll that. I'll try to lips. Yeah, no, it's okay. it's okay. I guess I could probably text Leela the questions and try to get the answers. Can you still not hear me? We got nothing. Got you now. Oh, you got me now. Perfect. I love it. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Hey, what do you take from this uh, big election victory in Ontario? I mean, there's there's, there's a whole bunch of buzz uh, around. We heard it yesterday. Um, Jaskran uh, talking to us uh, about, he says, uh, Doug Ford essentially reinvented himself after a really tough first year. Ultimately, voters gave him another mandate. What do you take from what happened in Ontario? I... It is exactly what we've been talking about here is about rebranding, about understanding when you have made mistakes. It's about being human. You need a human centered government, not leader centered of people who are working together. The, the leader of the province is part of a team that works together. That includes not only your cabinets and your and your MLAs, the people of this province and in Ontario, for example, stand on the shoulders of their elected officials and Doug Ford, I mean, I don't know anything about the internal workings of that government, but what I can tell you from the outside looking in is a man that is humble and compelling. He understands when he's made mistakes. He backtracked from things just because he listened to the people in his province. Um, he was able to run a positive campaign. He didn't undermine people. He was grateful for the, for the uh, challenges that were brought forward to him. And he, I think probably one of my favorite things that he says, Ryan, and I'm not sure if I'm sorry if this is not exactly quoted correctly, but he always talks about how he's not the smartest man in the room. And he surrounds himself with people who are smart and intelligent who care about the province and that he leads with that. He leads with his heart that way. And nobody appreciates that more than I do. How would you can, can you give us a sense of, of where the party's at right now? The United Conservative Party in Alberta, obviously, I'm talking about I mean, you, you have been in past a cabinet minister here. Uh, you obviously uh, are a prominent member of caucus. There's a lot going on, right? Like, you know, Todd Lowen, Drew Barnes sitting as independents right now. Todd Lowen wants to be the leader of the party, essentially kicked out. And then there's a bunch of, I guess you might call them dissident uh, MLAs, I think, of, of the 17 that signed that open letter to the premier criticizing his COVID approach uh, a number of months ago, quite some time ago now. I, mean, I think of you know prominent ones like Angela Pitt, for example, that, that signed that letter. You've got some pretty prominent cabinet ministers, in including uh, Doug Schweitzer. A lot of people wondered, might he seek the leadership? He says, not only am I not seeking the leadership, I'm not even seeking re-election, so he's not coming back. Uh, you've got your loyalists, you've got, you know, ministers Nixon and Chandro and kind of the premier's inner circle there. It, it seems to me to be a lot of different camps, a lot of different factions. 
How would you characterize the current state of this party and, and what do you think it might look like under your leadership? I mean, what would look different about it and how would you make that happen? I'm a collaborator, 100%. That's just always how I've worked. And as difficult as things get and as much as I may be frustrated, I think, like the average Albertan, um, I'm actually really, really, again, compelled to help bring a sense of, of, um, of team back together. Like you have to understand, Ryan, our, our party is a baby party. It was put together under circumstances that were fast and furious and came together. And then it takes nurturing and time and a very, very strong management style and very good leadership to be able to take the challenges of a very um, a party that is really spread out. There's just so many personalities at the table, but you have to be a choir conductor. You have to take every voice, which is unique. You have to blend those harmonies and conduct to make beautiful sound at the end. And it takes time and you have to build relationships and trust with people. And that's what, that would be my, my goal completely would be to make sure that our open door and our ability to have those conversations would be available to people. And I, I think certain people were able to have those relationships and that open door policy. But I believe that there was um, caucus and cabinet and those discussions are some of the most important things that we have. And we need to have those um, spaces to be able to look at various policy. I mean, when you have you know 375 pieces of policy, very, sorry, of, of legislation, there's a lot of work to do there. But you also, the, the flip side is you have to build relationships. It's imperative, and especially when you have a party that's as new as ours. And we need to rebrand and refresh and earn people's respect back, earn that space. People always talk about, well, we have to be unified or there's going to be a code of conduct of how we behave in the legislature. Well, the leader has to lead by example. Your cabinet has to lead by example. The people in the legislature have to lead by example. And you, be, you build unity. You cannot demand it. You build friendships, you build relationships, you look at the various personalities of people and see what their talents and their strengths are and you build on those things. That's Leela here. By, by the way, Leela, if you're wondering, we just got bumped off YouTube for some reason, but the podcast has been rolling the whole time. So I, I don't know you and I both are kind of going, what on earth is I lost the sight of your face for a quick second, but we're all good. The podcast is recording uninterrupted. And, and, and so the good news is that uh, obviously this message is going to make it way out. You're gonna, it's way out. You're going to get people talking today. Uh, this announcement obviously is going to is going to infuse some new interest. Uh, into this leadership race that we don't exactly know to this point uh, what that final list of uh, contenders is going to look like. But I uh, expect you to run a strong campaign, obviously. And I know you're going to be facing some direct questions from people that want to know what your plan is on certain files. Let me close with asking you this one. The curriculum is uh, this uh, redo, this rewrite has been a obviously a contentious one. Um, you know, I mean, the the the, the overwhelming majority of school boards have said we don't even want to pilot this thing we don't want to introduce this thing it's it's very problematic um in closing uh, what would be your plan with this uh, curriculum overhaul how would you approach it where we've already actually put out um the questions to our writing and i'm meeting with people right across the province it, it's one thing to sort of hear things uh through the, the channels that we get but i'm actually meeting with our trustees and our boards this week um my entire premise around this is to find out what they need. I'm not here to push anything, Ryan. Um, I'm a facilitator. My job is to work on behalf of the people of Alberta and not push my own agenda. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation and willing to do whatever it takes to make this right and to be able to help our, our school boards and our teachers and our parents and our families have the best education system in the world. But I, we have a lot of work to do to rebuild trust and part of that is going to be having those conversations to find out what it is that I can do to help. And, and I wish everybody else the best of luck in all of this. And I just, I'm so grateful that you would take the time to have me on. I'm just so humbled and so honored by all of this and so ready and willing to work with people and understand what their needs are because my job is to work for you. It always has been. I, I just, I'm just, I'm little. I'm overwhelmed, but joyful at the same time, and very, very excited about the difficult questions because they deserve to be answered and asked. And um, hopefully, I will be able to provide a very serious and. Uh, compelling alternative to what's being offered. Well, I always appreciate your availability here, Leela. And, and uh, you know, to be clear, the door the door is always open here to, to conversations 
with people that give a rip, you know, with with people that are um, interested in policy, that are affected by policy in particular, that have the the power, the ability, the privilege to pull those levers, right, to drive a lot of that process. And of course, you know, in front of an engaged audience as well. So uh, to me, regardless of political stripe, uh, we're here for those conversations. What's real talk without that kind of a commitment? And so we appreciate your availability. Thanks for making the announcement here on our show. And we wish you best of luck through this leadership campaign. Thank you so much, Ryan, and all the best to you and your beautiful family. And looking forward to many more conversations. Thanks very much, Leela. That's uh, Leela here. She's uh, obviously uh, the MLA uh, for the constituency of Chestermere, Rocky View, uh, down in southern Alberta, a beautiful part of the province. Uh, she's been a Wild Rose MLA before that, so she's she's obviously seen the you know the perspective from government. She sat around the cabinet table in past. Uh, and of course, she's served on the official opposition. So she's got some political experience there. Uh, first elected in 2015 in the Alberta election there. Uh, we're going to be going live to France in just a second. How cool is that? want to check in with a good friend of this show, Kristen Rayworth. She's there with her dad. Looks to me, I've been following along on her Instagram and her Twitter in like a trip of a lifetime. Uh, that included some time observing the anniversary of the Normandy landings, D-Day. She was there at Juno Beach uh, just a couple of days ago, and she's going to talk to us about that experience in just a moment. Speaking of getting out of town, uh, speaking of taking off, and of course, we're talking about cost of living. That infuses itself into every conversation we have, doesn't it? You want to keep some money in your jeans, even if you're heading out internationally for a week, two weeks, maybe even longer than that. We recommend you park your car at Jet Set Parking. If you're flying out of the city of Edmonton, if you're flying out of EIA, Edmonton International Airport, you can save money by booking online today at jetsetparking.com. Make sure you give yourself at least 24 hours advance notice, right? If you're flying out tomorrow, you got to do it right now. If you're flying out next week, even if you're flying out in December of 2022, you can book today using the promo code REALTALK. Why does that matter? Because the promo code REALTALK at jetsetparking.com gets you airport parking for $7 a day, less than 50 bucks a week. What? You park your car there. You take the shuttle to the departures area. I mean, it's so smooth and easy. When you touch back down, the shuttle takes you back to your car. You use your credit card to swipe you out of the lot. You don't have to worry about losing one of these little ticket stubs. I'm always paranoid about that when I travel. It's never been easier to save money by booking online using the promo code REALTALK at jetsetparking.com. I told you about my neighbor Chad yesterday. I'm just like staring out my front window now. Just, I mean, just just oogling his new Dodge Ram crew cab. This guy's got just a beautiful whip. He's got that new truck strut. You know what I'm talking about, Johnny? I saw him out the other day. I mean, he's had, he's had this thing for like three days. He's, uh, he's already, he's just making sure it stays looking meticulous. Who can blame the guy? What a beautiful machine. He reached out to me. I told you he's got his new family trailer. He said, I need something I can pull. I don't have to worry about. Nothing more important than his family's safety. So he trusts Dodge Ram, and he picked it up at St. Albert Dodge. Brad and his team at St. Albert Dodge hooking up my pal Chad. Sherwood Dodge as well is where you'll find Alberta's best selection of Ram, of Jeep, and of the entire Dodge lineup. Whether you're ramping things up, something to pull your trailer, or maybe with the price of fuel the way it is, maybe you're looking for something four-cylinders. They've got the best selection in the province. You can find them online. Shop the Sponsors tab under our website, ryanjesperson.com. Well, Kristen Rayworth has been on the show before as a sexual violence survivor, as an advocate for, for, for other people. She cares very deeply about other people. She works uh, in municipal politics right now as a political advisor and strategist. But that's not really why she's here with us today. She's here with us today because she is right in the middle of a trip of a lifetime with her dad. She checks in now live from France. Thank you for making time for us. This is this is like the wine and cheese hour, isn't it? Yeah, it's five o'clock here, so absolutely it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, we promise we won't keep you for too long, and I want to thank you for joining us. Where are you specifically right now, Kristen? Um, so we're in Bondol, which is just in the southern part of France, uh, right on the tip, uh, so at the Mediterranean Ocean. And you are with your dad. Uh, yeah. And this appears He's to be, I mean, by the smile on your face, the trip of a lifetime. Yeah, it's been really great. Um, so my stepmother passed away in December. So my dad really wanted to, to do this and, and come to France because she was French. Um, she was born here and raised here. So we came to see her family and to see a bunch of 
friends who couldn't come to the funeral. And so this is a really special trip for us to be able to be close to um, our family and get to see people. And for my dad to get to have that opportunity to see a bunch of friends who he hasn't seen and family who he hasn't seen in a long time. Cause my stepmom was sick for a very long time. So they couldn't travel. So, I mean, literally uh, virtually everywhere you go, the soil that you tread upon, the hands that you shake, the people that you hug, there's meaning to almost every yeah. single thing that you're experiencing over there right now. Yeah. And like my parents lived here, my dad, and my son lived here for uh, 10 years plus so this is where they were the last time, right before she got sick, right before they came back to Canada. So it's it's really meaningful for my dad to be able to be here. And it's meaningful for me because we're meeting people who um, loved her very much and knew her very well. And so that's been very special. Hmm. How much was like when we talk about D-Day? I mean, of course, the average Canadian is going to have a, a working knowledge, a bit of a general understanding of D-Day and the significance of those Normandy landings. We're talking to author and historian Don Levers yesterday, 156,000 troops, Canadian, mm -hmm. British and American troops landing on five different beaches, June 6th, 1944, observing the 78th anniversary of it yesterday. Obviously, a turning point, a major turning point when it came to World War II and how everything all played out was 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 observing the anniversary of d-day something kind of circled on your calendar with regards to this trip had you had you targeted juno beach specifically right around june 4th 5th 6th to, yeah. to make sure you had that experience so my um my stepmom grew up in uh, Blois, which is in sort of the northern northern part of france which is right around the normandy beaches so when we were planning the trip, that was something that was really important to me to get to go uh, to Juno Beach close to D-Day. I'd never been, I've been to France multiple times, but I've never had the opportunity to go there. And it was, it was incredibly humbling to get to be there and, and walking on those beaches and being, like, being present there and realizing what that actually meant for so many people and in France, it's incredibly meaningful. Like France still, like they still have so many monuments remembering D-Day because they were occupied and it was incredibly difficult in France for a long time. And so they celebrate it every single year. There are parties, there are things across, and they, they always thank Canadians. They're very, very um, aware that it was Canada and, and the UK who, who helped as well as the Americans. We talk a lot about the Americans' involvement in D-Day, but Canada had an incredibly big involvement. And I think that kind of gets kind of lost when we talk about like the Hollywood version of D-Day, which is so focused on the US component, but yeah. Canada and the UK were very present. Yeah, in a major way, and it's I I uh, I, I think, and, and I'm grateful that you talk about the Hollywood version of it because that that is it. We've all seen the movies. I also think that that's a hugely important element of it from to to, to sort of feel that visceral terror. Mm -hmm. Like I remember speaking to a to a, a, a D Day soldier uh, in a radio interview a few years ago. The guy's in his 90s, and he's talking about these landing these watercraft that were essentially made out of plywood and he's talking about bullets just whizzing past and, and and then sort of these doors would open and there's the beach and go ahead and you know try to make it to the sand try to make and i just can't even wrap my mind around that kind of a thing um when it came to the the memories of the recollection of the french people you're talking to i think it is uh, certainly noteworthy when you mentioned the fact that it was occupied um, you're seeing monuments everywhere. You're you're seeing sort of oh, yeah. permanent memories of these types of things. This is almost like a daily reality type scenario. So when I came to Canada, to France the first time, which was in 1998, um, my grandfather, who was a um, he was a member of the French Resistance. And he was actually jailed by the Nazis at one point. Um, he took us around Boulogne, which is where my stepmom was born, and showed us all the different places where you can see still uh, the effects of the bombings and the effects of the war. And you go anywhere in France and you can see still uh, where they were bombed, where there were places that, that had to be rebuilt completely from scratch. My aunt lives in a place called Calais, which is in the northern part of France, that was having to be, be completely rebuilt almost because of the occupation. So 
you see it everywhere and people in France feel it and know it very much because it is part of their everyday reality. And we're not talking about like, you know, their great 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 grandparents, it's their parents who had to go through this, who had to go through the occupation. And so you very much see it everywhere that you go, especially in the Northern part of France, in the South, which is where I am now, it's a little bit less, but in the Northern part, especially the closer you get to the beaches, you see it everywhere. You see monuments to it everywhere. You see the effects of it everywhere because so many of these cities had to rebuild from scratch after uh, Germany lost the war. Hmm. Did anything, did, did you learn anything or did you have an epiphany or did you have kind of a significant moment as, as you literally walked the sand of Juno Beach reflecting on Didi? Was there one thing that'll stick with you for the rest of your life? I think just, just realizing that when I was 18 years old, I was going to the Iron Horse and probably drinking too much. And, you know, like I, I did nothing of, of, you know, deep measure at the age of 18. I worked Earl's and like, these these kids they were 18 years old 19 years old and they were liberating a country it's it's incredibly amazing to understand how young they were and you walk by and they have a section um in juno beach where they they actually put up the names of every canadian who died at juno beach yeah, that picture right there wow and they're all, they're 17, 18, 19 years old. They're kids, they're babies. And it's, it's incredible to me to think about the bravery that that takes to do that. And I think that is the thing that's most humbling about it is realizing how, how young they were. And I guess as I get older, 17 seems so young to me now, right? And so it, it's crazy. Because it is. Cause it is, I know, right? Like it's, you know, we have a guy, little guy about to turn seven. Like that's, that's in 10 years. You know, I just can't even, I can't even imagine it. I was walking my dog the other day and just sort of somewhat, I guess, accidentally, I just had time on my hands and, and we meandered into a a cemetery by our house. And, you know, I've got a great uncle in there and went and visited him and said hello. But I, 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 you know, I walked past Kristen, these rows and rows and rows of, of the military type headstones, um, honoring in, in a big uh, cenotaph, I guess you'd call it, honoring uh, Canada's war dead from World War One in particular, uh, but also World War Two and throughout. You could see some some of the 1960s, presumably from Korea. And anyway, the point is looking at the ages of these people. Yeah. Like you're saying, it was blowing my mind. One in particular, this young man's name, 24 years of age. And it said missing and presumed dead. And I thought even just of how many there were of those, you know, perhaps shot down over water. Who knows? Perhaps a prisoner of war. Who knows? Um, But the sacrifice that these families made, that these young men and women made, I mean, it's just really I hope. Um, and even by, you know, you doing this interview here right in the middle of, of, of happy hour on your vacation, just to remind <laughs> us, I mean, but, but seriously, people of, of yeah. our vintage, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even younger people to take a moment that, yeah, it was 78 years ago. But this, these, these were thousands and thousands of young people, their whole lives ahead of them. Um, and yet this was their act of service. And, and I hope it's something that people continue to reflect on, even though the, the footage is grainy and black and white and hard to relate to. We can't really wrap our minds around it, uh, but it's such an important exercise. There's So there are Canadian um, uh, cemeteries across the northern part of France. So there's one in Boulogne that my uncle took me to uh, before I went to Juno Beach. And there was a gravestone there that really struck me. And it said um, he was a friend to everyone and he died so that others could know freedom. And I think that's just, that's incredibly meaningful to understand that France is a free country because of the Canadian soldiers and the UK soldiers and the US soldiers who came here. And this country is so indebted to them and they they talk about it like every time i tell someone i'm a canadian or i don't actually have to tell someone they hear it in my french accent (laughs) but every time i I talk to people that's what they talk about and they talk about um what what canada did during the second world war there is still so much gratitude from uh from the french people to the canadian people for that and it's incredibly meaningful and it's very humbling to, to be at Juno Beach, to hear that from people and to realize like just 
the the gratitude and the gravity of what Canada did and what we did for the people here. So that's beautiful. Absolutely amazing stuff. Hey, listen, I, I know your dad's probably looking for uh, his sidekick here. He's, he's, he's waiting for his <laughs> dinner date. And uh, we really appreciate you taking time out of your evening on such a special day and such a special vacation uh, to give us this perspective check. Kristen, thanks so much and have an amazing rest of your trip through France. And congratulations on your baby. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Looking forward to having you meet him in person. I know. I can't wait. That's Kristen Rayworth. You can uh, follow her. I, I suggest you follow her on Twitter. Of course, we, uh, from our official account at Real Talk RJ, include and, and, and announce essentially every morning right around 8 o'clock Mountain, 10 o'clock Eastern, the guests that are going to be on the show. Um, the point of that is to let you know, of course, who's coming up, but also so you can connect with them. And Kristen's been posting photos and through her trip and like a lot of really fun stuff, too. I think they're 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 endeavoring to drink all the wine in France. I would do the exact same thing if I was there. What a special trip. Her and her dad and the meaning behind that and the family history there. Really, really cool stuff. And we appreciate Kristen being able to make some time for us today. It's wild to wrap your mind around, isn't it? She's talking about these 17 and 18-year-olds that were off to war. I mean, to put I it into perspective, a lot of them, cannot even they're like lying about fathom. their age to, to go. Yeah, they wanted to. They wanted to go kill Hitler. Yeah. That's what they wanted to go do. Incredible. I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is a fruitful or fruitless exercise. Maybe it's a stupid conversation to host, but people always say, like, what about today's generation? Like, But I don't know, man. I look at even... Do we have that? Or maybe you say, well, you don't know until you're in it. You don't know until you're in that scenario, that circumstance. I don't know. I think of 9-11, some friends of mine in the States in particular, one of my close friends, uh, Paul down in Seattle, like he was a, an iron worker. You know, he was, he was one of those building, I think it's called Quest Field, right? The NFL, the Seahawks field. Mm-hmm. Anyway, doesn't matter. He's a journeyman. 9-11 happens, went and signed up. Uh, signed up all, first for the reserves, ended up for this. They're called the CBs. They go in, they're like a combat construction unit, and they would go in and build like combat bridges and do like really, really kind of hairy, kind of sketchy stuff. Anyway, he was prompted. He did two tours in Iraq uh, because, and, and he was motivated because of 9 11. That's his personal story. Now, someone will say, well, Iraq's not the same as World War II. And sure, fair enough. I'm yeah, just saying, and all like, that, do we still have that? Do we have that in us? Would 18 year olds today or, or us? You know, me 25 years ago when I was 18, like, would I have had it in me or would I have been the, you know, and there's people too, I was going to say, would I have been like a draft dodger? That was a, if you look back on it, history has been kind to the Vietnam (laughs) draft dodgers, right? So there's that too. But I mean, you know, how would you handle it if you got drafted, if you were off, you know, with, with what, six weeks of training and and all of a sudden you're off to Europe? Right. I think to most of us, that's why we respect our veterans so much. It's almost a nightmare to think about it now today. If if you just got a letter or someone came to your house and said, hey, tomorrow you're shipping out, you're going over there, you're going to be, you know, involved in this incredible nightmare and you don't know when you're coming home. So that's why I think that's why we respect them so much. Like you said, like the ones who didn't get conscripted, they signed up. They wanted to do it. And yeah. nowadays, I don't know if a lot of us would have that courage to go do it. You yeah. Know? Like, I have no problem saying I, I would be terrified. Same. I'm sure a lot of them I'd be were. looking for every possible, you know, everyone's always like, you know, Donald Trump, like, and actually Draft I'm not sitting here right? to jump, yeah. like, to Donald Trump's defense. But people are, you know, he said he had, like, a foot or, like, a bone spur in his heel or something. He couldn't serve. And I'm like, I kind of wonder it. if I might find a reason <laughs> right. to try to not go. Yeah. And then you think of all these veterans now these days. You, typically, you know, there's there are a, a few that remain. We're so lucky to have that perspective. Every November 11th or any time mm-hmm. you pop into a legion, you have a chance to pick the brain of these people and... I always look into their eyes or like look at their hands and it's like these are people that that were willing to give their lives. And there was a lot of question marks like back then you're in a ditch, you know, for days in the rain mm-hmm. with muddy socks. Nowadays, you could at least have a bit of security in the fact that you're in top of the line equipment well, you and FaceTime you with know your family. I mean? and and could, yeah, you know. it was a whole it was 10 times, 100 times worse back then. So. Yeah. Yeah. Marie right now says my dad signed up at 16 in World War Two. Yeah. Right. Insane. You know, Tanya says some people have it like that courage. You know, others have become too comfortable thinking that these are other people's problems. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to put it. Wow. Unwarranted design on our live chat says my granddad was a tail gunner in a Lancaster bomber. Those guys had a combat life expectancy measured in minutes. Right. And Hodge says if people feel the situation is desperate enough 
They'll do what needs to be done. And Haas, I, th- I think you're right about that. I do believe that there is a certain element to that. But we'll keep this conversation going. I always want to pick your brains. Where are you at? Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can send us an email. Every Tuesday, thanks to our friends at Leading Edge Physiotherapy, we have an opportunity to recognize a person or an innovation or a group in this context that's making a difference, that's innovating, that's impacting the world around them. We call it the Leading Edge. And on the leading edge this week, we are very proud to shine the spotlight on Out Loud St. Albert. Their leading edge's charity of the month for this month. It's Pride Month, of course. So what sets Out Loud St. Albert apart? It's a safe, inclusive space for youth who feel different to connect with each other and allies away from the intense bullying, the high suicide rates that are still tragically prevalent when it comes to LGBTQ2S plus youth. Uh, Mia Soatart and her father Terry created the Out Loud Foundation almost 10 years ago for community LGBTQ2S plus supports and services. Mia fortunately came out to a supportive family, but but they soon realized there wasn't an understanding. There wasn't non-judgmental environment for other diverse youth struggling with their sexuality, their gender identities, in particular in St. Albert. And so... They started twice monthly adult supervised youth meetings, and it's grown to support all ages, including juniors meetings like 12 and under youth, 18 plus, and then PFLAG, which is parents, families, and friends of lesbians and gays meetings, an integrated team offering a ton of different professional resources. They've expanded to speaking programs in schools and businesses, and they further partnered with the city of St. Albert to host recurring pride celebrations, fundraising events. They've created a formal partners program for local businesses and community groups to partner with and sponsor out loud. It's amazing how they're approaching this with advocacy and support, inclusion in GSAs and QSAs in schools. And of course, sitting on various committees, working groups across the community to ensure that queer voices are heard when it comes to the public service. Now, they've got some upcoming events we want to let you know about, including the Morinville Pride Picnic, the Sturgeon County Pride at Cardiff Park on June 14th, June 18th, St. Albert Pride at Rotary Park, and June 25th, Edmonton Pride Fest at Churchill Square. You can learn all about it at outloudstalbert.ca. Outloud St. Albert is on today's Leading Edge. Leading Edge is presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Life shouldn't hurt. Well... The dream is done for Edmonton Oilers fans across the country. A hell of a run all the way to the Western Conference final. But that's where the team ran into a bit of a wall. The Mm. Colorado Avalanche, of course, dispatching your Oilers in four straight. We're going to get to the hedge host, Andrew Walker, in just a second. Wanted to tee this up. A comment last night from one of the Oilers superstars, uh, the Deutschland dangler, Leon Dreisaitl. Here's what he had to say in retrospect. To to get to this point, of course, um, I don't think anyone necessarily expected us to be here. With that being said, we expected to be here, and, and we want to be here, and we want to be even further, right? So... Um, I'm proud of the group, but, um, you know, obviously it's, it's very disappointing and, and, and it sucks right now. Um, but we have to make sure that we come back next season and understand how hard it is to win, um, what it takes to go on a deep run and, and take that next step. That next step, of course, which would be a berth in the Stanley Cup final and ultimately the first cup. Uh, for that organization since 1990. But it won't happen this year. Andrew Walker's been covering this run uh, with the Hedge Podcast at thehedgepod.com, joining us live in studio this morning for straight. It's always tough to get swept, uh, but it seemed to become apparent early in this series that the Colorado Avalanche, I hate to say it out loud, but just just a better team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think number one, it's a tough way to go out because you Oilers should have won last night and at least should have won, you know, one of these these two home games. Uh, but I think it's a wildly successful season. I, I think it's really easy. This is why social media is tough and Twitter is tough. I had to turn it off this morning because you're trying to read and people are like, I knew it. I told you so. It's like, dude, it's the conference finals. Yeah. Like, there's there's 28 teams that are golfing right now. And, you know, the Oilers made it to the final four. Um, and you saw a team that uh, in Colorado that clearly is is just a little better in 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 a few areas. And if you, you know you're watching the game last night, and Darnell Nurse is obviously incredibly hurt, and 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 
you know, comes out after he had a torn hip flexor. I don't know how you can skate. I can I can barely skate after having a couple of beers the night before, let alone a torn, torn hip flexor. And Dreitzadl, I mean, that was crazy to watch last night. Four points, and he could barely move. Um, so it, it all adds up to, I think it was a really successful season if you're Edmonton, and they lost to a team that's going to be lifting the Stanley Cup in a couple of weeks, I would guess. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Uh, what do you, who do you think is coming out of the East? Do you think it's going to be Tampa, New York? Where do you see this going? I, I, I kind of still think it's Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see. I mean, it, it, listen, you get either the Colorado Avalanche lifting um, the franchise's third cup, but the first with this leadership group with like Landis Gog, McCarr, mm-hmm. McKinnon. I mean, just really an incredible cast. It's their, it's their first cup appearance in 21 years and and that kind of just oddly surprises me yeah Yeah. you you think but you think back to the i mean the heyday of of those high-powered teams just old as shit just we're just super it'd be like it'd be like someone being like the islanders i thought they were really good (laughs) well not no yeah Yeah. but and and then you've got on the flip side you know either either the new york rangers with this superstar goaltender i love the battle of the russian goalies in the eastern conference final or you have tampa looking for three straight which we haven't seen since uh well we haven't seen it in person at all I mean, obviously, the New York Islanders are the last to do it in the early 1980s. So it'd be something special. So it's kind of a cool storyline right now. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, both of them averaging, you know, two points a game or better through this run. Really unbelievable. And and McDavid, I mean, his performance speaks for itself in 16 games, 33 points. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl in 16 games, 32 points. Bananas, these two. When it comes to the work that uh, the front office has to do, the general manager, Kenny Holland, and his team through the offseason, um, you know, some people will look at goaltending. Some people are going to probably look at, you know, what this defense core looks like. Maybe Chris Russell's played his last game as, a, as an oiler. Uh, Duncan Keith's getting up there with one more year on his deal. But what does the offseason look like for this team? Well, it's going to be tricky. That's for sure. And uh, I, I think that's another level of annoyance. Um, you know, people forecasting a lot of doom and gloom because, well, look at the cap space. And look at the guys they got to resign. And I mean, that that's just that's just hockey. That's just business. That's just the NHL. You're going to have decisions to make. Some guys need new contracts. The important part is who are your key pieces? Um, a healthy nurse, McDavid, Dreitseidel. Um, Yamamoto, Zach, Hyman, Zach I mean, Hyman, they're all under contract, right? They're going to have to, you know, see where Pugliarvi fits in. You're going to have to look at, at the goaltending. Koskinen's obviously gone. Um, and I think uh, another narrative is really easy to be like, well, you know, Mike Smith, how can they? Mike Smith was making $2 million and, and went to the conference finals. Like, yeah. you know, so I, I don't think it's time to dunk on Mike Smith. I, you know, obviously he's 40. He's not the long-term answer going forward. So, you know, how it's either, you know, bring in a bigger money goalie or re-sign Evander Kane or, you know, there's a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, what happens with the Evander Kane situation? I mean, he 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 scored at a pace that would earn, you know, player X if it wasn't mm-hmm. Evander Kane, if there weren't questions about his character or his commitment or or whether or not it would make sense for a team to commit long term. If it was just player X that was scoring at the pace he was, you'd be talking about an eight, nine, nine and a half million dollar a year type player. With Kane, there will be maybe some reservations, but at the same time, he showed he can still play the game at a high level. Um, is he going to get his eight or nine million? Is he going to get term from a team? Is it going to be Edmonton? It only it only takes one, right? And and that's the key. Vander Kane's an interesting case because you know everybody knows some of the the details in his life. This is not a guy that. Uh, boy, I want to turn my you know hundred million in the bank into two hundred. Evander Kane declared bankruptcy in the yeah. last calendar year, so him coming to Edmonton was to play with ninety-seven and twenty-nine and rebuild his value so he could sign a fifty million dollar deal with somebody this offseason. It, it it's not about uh, oh I hope he likes Edmonton and boy didn't you have fun playing with Connor McDavid? I'm sure he did. Uh, but this is going to be a, a dollars. It usually is with players, but this for sure is going to be a who gives me the most dollars? What state uh, can I go to that is is the is the most lucrative tax wise? Yeah. Um, you know, what about could, Vancouver? And it might be a nice fit for him. He's from no. there. He played for the Giants. You don't think it's uh, that that market is? Um, uh, it's not always a bad thing. He would he would not survive in that market. Like it would be all about everything off ice and very little about what he does on the ice. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So not friendly territory, you don't think? No, I don't think so. I mean, listen, I'm not going to criticize fans for, you know, caring about other things outside of, of, of hockey. I mean, um, I don't view sports that way. I don't view athletes as 
role models. I, I, if I'm building a team, give me all the bad guys if I can win games. That's my opinion. Um, the, I, a lot of people in Vancouver don't, don't share that. So someone having some legal things hanging over his head, it would, be a, it would just be a bad start for huh. the new organizational regime in Vancouver. Yeah, it'd be I, I very think. interesting to, yeah. to listen to the conversations that he's having with his agent. Who, who, is that he, want, he wants every last dollar. And if I'm Edmonton, I probably do offer him, you know, $21 million over three years, but it's just not going to be enough yeah. to keep Evander Kane. Yeah, interesting stuff. You, you, Kyler Yamamoto had a bit of a coming out party. Zach Hyman was obviously Ryan huge McLeod for the Oilers. So Ryan yeah. McLeod, yeah. gosh, can that guy ever skate? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of how this all plays out. Dylan Holloway had a chance to skate in front yeah. of uh, Evan, a Evan, hot prospect Evan for this Bouchard, team. too, yeah. So they do got guys coming up, and, they, you know, they, they, the, the, the Oilers are the only team of this top four that are left they still have their first round pick, and they had three guys: Broberg, Holloway, uh, this kid Xavier Borgo, playing in the Quebec League final right now. Three first round picks that didn't really play in this postseason. So you know, don't believe what everybody tells you. You know, the cupboards are not bare, and and yeah. they're going to have some decisions to make on players. But there's there's more guys coming up. Yeah. Love Evan Bouchard, love the big shot, but I, I do I do question his commitment battling for that puck. There were a couple on the wall that he gave, and I just went, oh, man. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I, you know I got him though? on my fantasy team. Friends, yeah. Wax knows that. I want him to succeed, but I just, I, I don't know, man. I, you know what? I think, well, he's, he's very young, and he's offense first guy, and if you're Edmonton, um, I think when you make the conference final, a lot of, things get validated if you don't like what Ken Holland did to this player or this player well you're in the conference final you get sure. the last lap I think one mistake the organization did make was was bringing back Tyson Berry a year ago uh you know there is some money that could be used elsewhere Evan Bouchard can clearly run power play one and if Evan Bouchard was playing a little bit tougher minutes over the last year and a half that play against JT Comfer, he probably knows what to do yeah. a little more, right? All this stuff builds up for a long time. You've been killing it at thehedgepod.com. That's where people can subscribe to what you're doing. They can learn more about this new project, a daily sports podcast with awesome angles uh, on fantasy and betting and everything people are getting into these days. Who do you have coming up today on the show, Wax? Uh, we have, <laughs> this, you know, the Homer Simpson meme where he just disappears in the bushes. <laughs> That's kind of Oilers jersey to Blue Jays jersey. So today we have the uh, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, great story, 14 years, riding the buses in the minors. And if you're a baseball broadcaster, it's a lot like the grind that players go on until you make the big leagues. And yeah. Now he's the voice of the Blue Jays. So, How cool is yeah, that? Pretty exciting. Be the voice of the Blue Jays. Nice get. Again, the hedgepod.com is where you can subscribe uh, to what Wax is doing, a proud relay podcast. We're back at it tomorrow. Before we go, I want to remind you how proud we are to partner with the team at Local Environmental. We know that there are movers and shakers, uh, community contributors that tune into this show, and that includes people that are putting festivals together, children's festivals, music festivals, community gatherings, Tis the season, these beautiful summer months ahead of us. If you're looking for fencing, portable toilets, water hauling, maybe you got to fill up a dunk tank, <laughs> look to localenvironmental.ca in Alberta and Saskatchewan. You can request a quote live on their website, localenvironmental.ca. Don't forget to send us your trash talk every Friday presented by the friends we've got. Proud to call them friends at Local Environmental. At parkpower.ca, you'll find an easy way to compare rates what you're paying right now on electricity, natural gas, and internet. Be honest. When's the last time you took a look at how competitive that landscape is? Do you know if you're getting a good deal on your power, your natural gas, your internet, or not? Are you paying too much? Want to take five minutes for yourself today at parkpower.ca and check it out. They can bundle the utilities together, which saves you even more money. And when you bring your business over there, use the promo code 2022-REALTALK. They're going to knock $70 off your first bill from parkpower.ca. Our friends at Infinity Healthcare want to remind you that they are hiring. They're always hiring because more and more families are looking to Infinity Healthcare for reliable, quality, compassionate home care. If you go to infinity-8.ca and just look under career opportunities, you'll see healthcare aid, LPNs, licensed practical nurses, the customer care navigators, and the Infinity Healthcare ambassadors. Their team works across the province to ensure that your loved one is getting an appropriate situation when it comes to home care, language barriers, cultural sensitivities, the tender care you need for somebody living with dementia, perhaps maybe it's a loved one that's just lonely. You can trust Infinity Healthcare with their care. 
Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to remind you they've got their special summer blizzard lineup right now for a limited time at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. That includes the Girl Scout Thin Mints Blizzard. The Drumstick Blizzard with Peanuts, that's my personal recommendation from last weekend. The Reese's Pieces Cookie Dough Blizzard, and of course, the Cotton Candy Blizzard, which took me by surprise the other week. I was telling you, I enjoyed it a little. It, it was off the board. My wife, Carrie, said, I'm surprised you went with the Cotton Candy Blizzard. I said, well, I want to remain open-minded as the host of Real Talk, so I made that <laughs> commitment, Johnny, and tried out the Cotton Candy Blizzard. And before we go, finally, I want to remind you, our friends at Eden Landscaping, I mean, this is the time of year where they are going pedal to the metal because they've got clients, many of them return customers, I was asking Mike at Eden Landscaping, I said, you must have some people that have been with you for the 20 plus years you've been in business. He says, they've done yards, some people, three, four different houses. How cool is that as a business owner that these folks continue to trust Eden Landscaping with their biggest investment as they bring outdoor spaces to life. A custom landscape builder with more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. But think beyond simple landscapes. It's about more than fire pits and planting boxes. Eden does retaining walls. They do brand new fencing projects. A real talker just reached out for a quote the other day. They do it all. You can check out their services and get a quote today at landscapeedmonton.ca. So we've got The Hedge coming up a little bit later on today, and we are back at it, putting together an edition of Real Talk for you tomorrow that will continue to hit on the top stories making news, both here at home and abroad. We're keeping an eye on what's happening with Boris Johnson, of course, over in the UK. That's a big story. And don't forget, we've also got news developing on the federal politics front. Real Talk's here with you through it all. Our team looking at the conversations that need to happen, but you can play a role in furthering that conversation as well. We welcome your emails, your feedback on our hashtag RealTalkRJ, and of course to talk at RyanJesperson.com. Thank you for liking, subscribing, commenting, and sharing what we do real talk is hosted by ryan jesperson executive producer josh dunford technical producer john hicks general manager katie cook shivers account coordinator lauren sterlego human resources lena shepherd website design mike johnston voiceover by me carrie skelton Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.